what is up everybody welcome back to another episode of den of geek presents marvel standem live here on the den of geek network each week we give you the deepest possible dives on all the goings on in the mcu marvel comics and beyond but you knew that already because that's why you are watching and or listening with me for all time and always we have den of geek news and features editor kirsten howard den of geek tv editor alec bajalid and returning special guest, pop culture writing, writer, DOG contributor, and nicest guy in the business, Joe George. This week, folks, we are talking about uh, some fun. It's actually been an eventful week or so for the MCU, hasn't it? We got the final Ms. Marvel trailer a, a week or so ago. We're allowed to talk about Ms. Marvel a little bit on this, I think, as well, since some of us have seen the screeners. We got a She-Hulk trailer, and we got a proper reveal of Gore the God Butcher in the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. And I think that is where we are going to start today, because there is a lot to unpack in that Thor Love and Thunder trailer. First of all, what did everybody think about that? Uh, I think we all kind of know what to expect from these movies at this point, but it's a fun trailer. It is a fun trailer. Um, can I, I I'm going to, you just called me a nice guy, so I'm going to start out with a slightly mixed concern here. Uh-oh, it's is, merciless Joe George time. Well, yeah. So <laughs> I like Ragnarok, right? But I'm not sure that it totally nails the two tones that it's going with for here. And Gore is a dark character. And so it's a little bit of whiplash in that trailer when it goes from fun, goofy Gorg and Thor to Gore the God Butcher. And that that is a bit of a, I'm, I'm a bit concerned with that. So I love everything I've seen. But I do hope that Waititi pulls off that tonal switch a little bit better than he did in the first one, or just give us a totally different gore than, you know, we get in the comics and make him fit in that goofier world a little bit better. But I don't know, based on those couple of pictures or the shots that we've seen. Yeah, I uh, I had no intention of matching your negativity whatsoever. Like I, uh, but now that you mention it, I, I do think that you're right. That is a concern. Knowing what I know about the comic, which is admittedly not much, but just reading up on uh, Gore the God Butcher via all my research at Den of Geek. Yeah, that's it's dark and it's like brutal and sad, and it does really seem to be at odds uh, with the tone that Taika Waititi is known for. And to that end, I actually must say that I, I kind of enjoyed the first teaser for this movie a little bit more just because it was just pure, vibrant energy. Like we didn't have to. There's like no plots, no narrative, no thoughts, just vibes. Um, so I enjoyed it on a, vers- a visceral level, more so the first one. Uh, but this trailer still rules. It still has, that you know, that awesome uh, sweet child of mine underpinning. Um just a lot of incredible visuals. I like the implication at the beginning in which uh, Korg is telling a story that like, I don't know, maybe this is a frame story far in the future uh, where Thor is not even necessarily around anymore. That which kind of gives me pause and it freaks me out a little bit that this might be Thor's last outing, though I doubt it. It's just a fun time. Um, and I like the even more than getting more peaks at Gore the God Butcher, I'm excited that we saw more Jane. And more Valkyrie, which is also a good thing. Yeah, I noticed in the trailer that there was a lot of sort of black and white uh, or there was uh, a sequence that seems to have been filmed in black and white. Or And I, I, I thought that was uh, interesting and I just wondered 
whether all this takes place at the same time or um, it flips back and forth between, yeah, rightly. Oh, sorry, Lee just said <clears throat> Sin City vibes. And that's what I got from these sort of black and white sequences. I do think he looks a lot cooler in black and white than when we see him in the the sort of colour shot of Goran. He, he just looks a bit, a bit more uh, like silly and washed out. But yeah, like <laughs> it just doesn't, it's just not as cool, is it? But um overall pretty pretty good vibes from this trailer some of the cgi looked a bit dodgy in it again but not sure what's going on there um and i think we were talking about this earlier but they like cgi the helmet onto natalie portman instead of just putting a helmet on her and it it looked really crap and i just i've got so many questions um like, like, I was so disappointed when I found out that, that, that like, the time suits in Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. were mocap. You know what I mean? Like, that really bummed me out. Like, it bums me out whenever I see Tom Holland, like, in a, in a mocap suit rather than a proper Spider-Man suit. Because, to me, a big part of the fun of superhero movies is, like, the idea of people actually inhabiting these costumes and seeing the way these costumes are realized properly in live action, you know? And I feel like every time we take a step closer to these just kind of being, you know, animation, basically, which is an art form into itself, I get a little bummed out. That being said, I promised everybody on social media that this was going to be a good vibes only Marvel stand them, folks. What are we doing here? Come on. Sorry. Like, <laughs> me, and this is... just ru- me and Joe George yeah. are just ruining it. Just yeah, you're sorry. Sorry. Ruining it. No, I was being all positive through the moon night <laughs> stuff, and I'm just trying to fit in with you cool kids, and now you all get on. <laughs> you're behind the times, George. It's about good yeah, vibes now on Marvel stand them. This is good vibes stand them. But look, I, I I do get it. Like, and it's interesting that that you, I hadn't considered the idea of of the multiple timelines or you know being part of Thor: Love and Thunder, which is interesting because that is an like a crucial part of the Gore the God Butcher story, the initial Gore story from the comics in Thor: God of Thunder by by Jason Aaron and Issa Rivik, like. Because there, you know, Thor met Gore in the distant past, like before he was worthy to wield the hammer. And then Thor and then, you know, Gore comes back in the present. And then we're, we also deal with a distant, distant future where Thor is now the Allfather, you know? So so that amazing epic comic book story is told like every issue kind of takes place across three different timelines you know and it's very interesting now i do not expect that to be the case in thor love and thunder but knowing how the mcu plays with with elements from the comics and the stories that they take their inspiration from i can definitely see this being um something they toy with at least and maybe the black and white is one way they do that and maybe the idea of a framing narrative you know, maybe that is where we see Thor as the Allfather. I don't know, but I'm into it. As for Gore himself, I do have to agree with Joe, even though I was giving you a hard time there. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm very curious to see how they juggle those tones. Um, I do have faith in, in Taika Waititi more than a lot of other Marvel directors. Um, you know, at this point, I'm just along for the ride. But those comics are brutal like they are so dark and i don't expect that on screen 
but I'm curious to see if they're able to capture any of that menace. You know, people talked about the horror elements in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? You should be getting that tenfold in a gore story. So I'd like to see if they if they if they nod to that at all. Yeah, and it's a different type of horror in in the uh, the God Butcher arc. You know, the Doctor Strange horror was full on Sam Raimi craziness which is you know humans are are water balloons full of blood and we like to watch them pop and that's really funny there's something there's something punishing and 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 bleak about the Aaron and Ribic comic so I, I I hope that they don't go quite to that direction because I don't know that that's in YTD's wheelhouse and as you guys are saying I want the good vibes too you know Thor has been so much better since we figured out that Chris Hemsworth has great comic timing and that's the direction you should take this character so I don't want them to go all bleak I hope they can find a way to to, to work this in and I'm I am pleased by what I see uh, of Gore here, just apropos of what we've been talking about uh, CG. That doesn't look like there's a whole lot of CG with him, which means that's plenty of room for Christian Bale to act, which you want because the guy is magnetic and I'm really excited to see him in another superhero movie here. So I I, I hope that Waititi and the writers have something, a, a different type of God Butcher than the one that we saw in the comics for this iteration. Yeah, and I can see also, I mean, look, at the very least, they have to give us his origin story. Like, you got to give this guy his motivation because, you know, Gore the God Butcher, it sounds like a pretty one-out character. Like, everything you need to know about Gore is kind of right there in the name, right? Um, but his origin story is, it's sad. You know, this is this is a, like, an, like, a, like an alien character who, who grew up on this horrible, ruined world, you know, with famine and drought and you know just just hard living from the start and you see this character you know he loses his parents and loses his his wife and his children all in just like increasingly horrific ways as their prayers all go unanswered and then finally he gets the means to kind of answer his own prayers which at that point are pretty bitter right so i think we have to at least get that and and however else it plays and however else it gels with the narrative of of you know thor finding you know realizing that jane is more worthy to wield mjolnir than he is great i'm i'm here for it i would bet like virtually everything i own that what you just described and what i've seen online of screenshots of that the his beginnings in the comic will serve as the cold open of the movie like before we even get well, before we get to the Thor Love and Thunder logo, we'll get the like the entire history of Gore and why he hates the gods in like 10 minutes. I also I had another question about Gore. It kind of goes to what Kirsten was talking about with the way he looks. Um, so that one photo of him in the sunlight that I agree looks kind of awkward and weird, as opposed to him doing his weird like cheese and thing with like his teeth gritted. Uh, those look like almost two different characters to me. Um, is it possible that that lends some more evidence to what you were talking about, Mike, that this might be taking him through different eras? Like this is Gore at his most like organic and like kind of human, even though he's not a human. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, folks online were pointing out that, you know, if they made him look too much like the comics, he was just going to look like Voldemort, right? I could see him evolving as, as the movie goes on. You know, I don't know if we'll ever get like full comics form Gore, but I'd be into that. I have a question. Um, it's a little highbrow, 
Um, and I don't mean to make things too intellectual so early on in the show, but will this be the first time that someone's got their ass out in an MCU movie? <laughs> no, we see Hulk's rear end in Ragnarok, right? Oh, yes. Did we? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. when he's getting out of the tub at there. So, no, that's, YTD knows how to give him what the fans want. Now, yeah. I will say... Is this the first time we see, obviously we've seen Hemsworth shirtless in these movies before he's shortless in this shot as well, but that's uh, but we've seen him shirtless in these movies before. God, just looking at this picture is giving me a complex, Jesus. Like, um, oh my God, dude, like <laughs> tone it down. Like, um, but is this the first time we've seen him from the back? Like we've seen his tor his torso shirtless before, but have we seen him shirtless from the back before? And there's a reason I'm asking this, but answer the question first. <laughs> I mean, I hope the so, is either here or there. <laughs> <laughs> because if you look, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think I asked Andrew to screenshot this, so I apologize. But apparently, he's got a tattoo on his back now, like a big tattoo of Loki's horns. Oh. Wow. in that shot or like yeah like so, somebody mentioned it in the comments on on uh on the trailer breakdown article that i wrote that you can read right now on denigeek.com slash marvel but yes yeah, somebody pointed that out and i think i can see it it looks like he has a pair of loki's horns tattooed on his back like starting right in the middle of his spine with the horns going like right to his shoulder blades if these horns, like if we have not seen him shirtless from the back before, then these horns are a recent addition and it's like a wholesome, like tribute to his fallen brother, right? You know, part of Thor's overall like midlife crisis that he's going through in this movie, which is cool. I'm here for that too. But if we have never, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Are you suggesting that this might have been uh, Thor was passed out and Loki yes. had this tattoo done on his back. Yes. <laughs> like, or or he lost the bet to Loki yeah. that Loki, of course, <laughs> cheated. Like, <laughs> All right, we have Lee on the case right now. Lee is going to do a deep dive on Thor shirtless scenes for us to figure this out. Uh, maybe mean... he'll get us the answer during this show. <laughs> maybe he's just doing this for fun on his own time, which is totally I think, cool. I think he was I already do doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I might do the same. Like... <laughs> I think if this happened when Thor was passed out or we lost a bet, I feel like it would be a tramp stamp. Yes. Ooh, true. Yes. <laughs> this seems like a upper back seems more elective. Yeah. It's more right. like the uh, the Ben Affleck Phoenix, you know, midlife <laughs> crisis tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> they literally should have just made it that just, <laughs> just lovingly recreated <laughs> boy i opened up a can of worms here didn't i holy moly uh we should probably move on before this awakens anything else in me um we should actually speaking of awakening things let's talk about jane shall we once again jane foster is thor Natalie Portman looks incredible. Like whatever program she is on, like I want to be on it. Um, and that scene is amazing with her and King Valkyrie. <laughs> um, but one of the coolest things, all right, you know what, actually, 
hold that shot right there. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this before we dig further into Jane. There is that cool shot where we see her kind of powering up in front of these six statues in a mysterious hall. And that's like some deep Marvel Easter egg stuff there. On the right in the front, we have the Living Tribunal who we saw his statue several times in Loki and we saw him like properly appear briefly in the space between the dimensions in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Mm -hmm. Behind the Living Tribunal, that seems to be Uatu the Watcher, right? Or it's a Watcher. We've established in the MCU that there's many... uh... Oh, Lee just said, you can see Thor's back at 50 minutes and 32 seconds in Endgame and there are no tattoos. So this is a recent addition. (laughs) Lee, how did you do that? My God. (laughs) He's got them all bookmarked. There's no other possible explanation. There's no shame in that, Lee. No, no, no I support it. No, I mean, even I support it. <laughs> Holy moly. Like, so yeah, so we have, that's the Living Tribunal. That's the Watcher. It looks like there might be a third statue behind the Watcher, but I'm not sure. But on the left, that's like the stuff we haven't seen before. I'm pretty sure that that first statue on the left is death. And I will let Joe speak more to the significance of death. But like, we didn't really get Thanos's. uh, incel motivation in uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where like his whole thing in the Infinity Gauntlet comics was he was trying to impress death. Like death is like the Jodie Foster to Thanos's John Hinckley Jr., right? We have yet to see her properly in the MCU, so it's interesting that she's here. Joe, what do you think of this? Boy, I didn't catch that. That's interesting to bring in death now. Um, you know, after Thanos is off the board, because in my mind, the two of them are so, are so linked, you know, there's not, this is not like the DC universe version of death where she's a cool character, you know, in her own, the, 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 the Marvel version of death is a silent woman who is sometimes has a pretty lady face and sometimes has a skull face that is motivates Thanos motivates Mephisto sometimes. So maybe, you know, they've been teasing Mephisto for a while. So maybe it's time for him to show up and that's connected to that. No, I didn't, I didn't catch that at all. That's cool. I wonder if the implication here is that these are beings that have been slain by gore. You know, um, because as you said, it does seem like a weird time to bring death in, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't know what that means. Now, somebody somebody in the, in the comments at Den of Geek had to point this out to me, like behind the death statue, that seems to be Eon. Like I spent so long zooming in that I'm like, is that Zeus? Is that MCU Hercules? No, I'm pretty sure that's Eon. Um, and Eon's a deep cut even for me. And behind Eon is Infinity. Joe, I'm going to lean on you for this again. Help me out. These aren't just gods. These are these are manifestations of uh, uh, forces of the natural universe. It's hard to explain how big of a deal that is than if Gore is killing these people. Like most gods in the MCU are are in the Marvel Universe are like Thor, where they're, you know, they've got powers, but they're they're mostly dudes, you know, and when you go on the up up the hierarchy of, um, you know, creatures in the Marvel Universe, it's hard to get bigger than uh, these figures that we're seeing here. 
especially the Living Tribunal. I mean, I think officially in the Marvel Universe, the only thing that's above that, the Living Tribunal, is the one above all who is Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, you know, the, one of the creators. Um, uh, uh, so that's, again, these are not people. These are manifestations of forces like infinity. So when Doctor Strange has to deal with uh, the primordial forces of the entire universe, it gets a face like infinity and they chat. So that's that's a lot bigger stakes than I realized we were dealing with going into it. I'm here for this and it only strengthens my resolve to take an edible before I watch this movie. So, like, <laughs> am I allowed to say that? I'm going to get a call from HR after this. <laughs> Oh, well, um, anyway, moving on, uh, back to Jane, uh, Kirsty pointed out something awesome that I didn't catch on the tra in the trailer the first time. Kirsty, you want to, you want to talk about, uh, Mjolnir's cool new features? Yeah. It looks like the Mjolnir kind of, uh, where it's fractured, uh, and turned into little pieces. It can actually now, um, fall apart into those pieces and be, and those pieces can be controlled in an attack like we're seeing here, which is a really cool touch, I think. And I don't know enough about the Thor or Mighty Thor comics to say whether that's a part of those. So I was going to ask you guys if this was a thing in the comics, too, or whether this has just been created for the film. Yeah, I don't think it's in the comics. I, I don't recall seeing it. Uh, yep, same here. I think that this oh. is new. This is just a cool power up for the movies. Yeah, I'm really into it. And, you know, it's funny. The more... So I had never read the latter parts of Jason Aaron's run, right? I had read the the, the gore stuff with, with Isad Ribic. I had read the early... You know, I had read the uh, the Jane stuff uh, with the just ridiculous, amazing Russell Dowderman art. Um, but I hadn't read the Unworthy Thor or King Thor until recently. And I didn't realize how much of that arc that we've seen, like, you know, depressed Thor, like kind of trying to regain his worthiness had also played out in those comics until now, you know, like it plays out in very different, in very different ways. But we see a glimpse of that in this trailer when Thor's like so happy to see Mjolnir, right? And he's like, it's Mjolnir. And he still can't get it. Like he's almost like in the comics, he's almost like an addict. Like he like, like he pines for Mjolnir, you know? And it's cool that they're kind of playing with that here. And of course he doesn't know it's Jane at first, you know, and then, and then later on, like he realizes it is, but like, this is, um, I don't know this movie's going to have to be three hours long to get all this stuff in. And, and I kind of hope it is. What else is there in this trailer that we really need? I guess, we, I guess there's, we need to talk about Russell Crowe's Zeus. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason than he seems to be having the time of his life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. I don't know why I didn't realize that he, that when he played Zeus, he would be doing an accent just like an exaggerated Mediterranean accent. That was such an unexpected little yeah. delight in this trailer. <laughs> Given Russell Crowe's accent work in other movies though, does he think it's exaggerated or does he think he's nailing it? <laughs> I mean, it's just wonderful, <laughs> whatever he's after, but. What accent was he supposed to be doing when he was Jor-El in Man of Steel? <laughs> 
I mean, Marlon it's a Kryptonian Brando. accent. You don't recognize yeah. a Northern Kryptonian accent? That's yeah, they, yeah that's right. I'm sorry. It's Kandorian. Yeah, my exactly. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound like one of those Argo City guys. It's totally different. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry, my bad, folks. You know, I'm supposed to be the EIC of Den of Geek. I should know better. What's interesting too, if you look later in the trailer, we see King Valkyrie fighting, uh, fighting Gore with what appears to be Zeus's thunderbolt. So I don't know if I don't know if we should get too attached to Zeus, folks. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was not that attached. <laughs> no, I expect him to be in one scene and it's going to be a lot of fun and he's going to chew up as much as he can of the scenery in that one scene and it'll be wonderful and then we can move on to other things. You yes. know, that's that's really how I'm hoping that you're right that there's a ton of stuff to cover and I'm kind of hoping that the movie is just going to be a lot of we're going to check in on this weirdness and it's going to be fun and wonderful. And then we're going to move on to the next thing. You know, um, I, I feel like that'll be the most successful way to do that. And need, 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 need the post-credit scene to finally introduce MCU Hercules. All right. Well, Thor, Love and Thunder out July 8th. Let's talk about She-Hulk out August 17th on Disney+. Plus. This trailer, ooh, did... Wow, did Andrew just change the background colors? To, that's really cool. Andrew is so on top of things, folks. He won't go on camera with us, but he is like, he makes his presence known. Um, the She-Hulk trailer got kind of a, a, a weirdly muted response, I felt, from fans. And, you know, I kind of get it. Uh, I, I felt like the rendering of She-Hulk herself was a little bit off, but I liked that trailer. What did everybody else think? Yeah, I like it too. I, I I don't really understand. I mean, like, look, the the elephant in the room that's not really an elephant because no one, everyone won't shut up about it is the uh, the CGI. Like, we're all, we're all in agreement. There's like, there's nobody sitting there watching that trailer going like, you know, what's great, the CGI. <laughs> so like, aside, like, once you get past that sucking, I thought it was a perfectly fun trailer. And I know Mike, you and I talk about this all the time about the the mythical allure of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first procedural tv show i'm not confident that will be she hulk but i really hope it is just like the the legal aspects of exploring the legal world of a world populated by superheroes is so interesting and i'm sure it's done really well in the comics that i've not read but it's going to be so it's going to be very novel to me to see you know just a giant green woman just <laughs> presiding over court cases if there's not like one iota of action throughout this entire series, I'll be completely happy. Just give me the giant green woman just like discussing habeas corpus rights of superpowered individuals. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the this show is going to work for me if it's, you know, her taking on cases every week of like these random superheroes or villains from the MCU that we haven't met yet. Like in that trailer, we saw maybe a little flash of Frogman. Like, is he one of her clients? Like, this is the stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, as far as the CGI, I think everything's been said on that, but um, I do hope it looks a little better by the time this uh, show comes around. Yeah, I'm afraid. Um, I'm afraid that they're going to bully those non-unionized animators so <laughs> no it does not look great but you know i don't i don't want a repeated thing of the old sonic thing where they bully a bunch of animators and then disney still figures out a way to make a joke out of the whole thing um not that i'm bitter about that uh so no i don't care about the 
the the the, the CG either. And I'm right with you guys. I really hope that this is just a a superhero comedy, you know, like um, the old live action tick show where it's basically a sitcom with uh, superheroes in it. You know, the 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 best She-Hulk runs, in my opinion, I've read a lot of them are you know, like the Dan Slott run where it's basically a legal story and she's doing exactly that. And, and, and then we can bring in all those weird, wonderful side characters in the MCU. Uh, th that would be great. And I think that's a lot of what um, uh, the MCU needs right now is some really low stakes stuff. That's just because fundamentally these movies are popular because we like our friends and we like to see our friends hang out. You know, sometimes we get cool action sequences but just as often if you want cool action sequences you can go to a different movie and find them better you know the thing that the mcu has are weird characters that we all love we want to watch them hang out so if we can get that and they're hanging out in a in a courtroom drama or a courtroom comedy wonderful i'm with you a hundred percent my favorite tv format at the moment like I, I i've tried to express this to alec and i don't have a name for it but it's like half hour semi-comedy genre show, you know? So it's like, like Glow, Barry, what we do in the shadows, you know what I mean? And I'm ready for that in the MCU. And, and if that is what, like, if that is what She-Hulk is, if it's case of the week, kind of lampooning 90s legal procedurals a little bit, you know, the tone of this is right in keeping with the way, I mean, like the folks who are complaining about the tone, look, we don't like the CGI, we don't like the CGI, that's fine, and that's something that can be fixed, right? But like, a lot of the other folks that were complaining about like the tone of the show or whatever, I'm like, have you read a She-Hulk comic in the last 35 years? Like, this is what She-Hulk has been known for since at least 1989, right? Like, you know, it was, it was you know, look, you know, John Byrne, whatever but like you know like but it was it was john burns sensational she-hulk comic that you know she-hulk was already kind of like a fun happy-go-lucky character to begin with you know once they realized that just like making a lady hulk wasn't really all that interesting and the whole thing was like jennifer walters is going to enjoy her life you know that was a big deal but it was this comic that's on screen right now sensational she-hulk number one it came out in 87 something like that right that was John Byrne basically trying to do moonlighting in comics, where it's like, here's a character who breaks the fourth wall, who is engaged in like, you know, weird adventures that aren't taken very seriously, you know? That's, that's the vibe I got from this trailer. That's exactly the vibe that I got from this trailer. And if the show delivers on that, all the better. And it's nine episodes, not six, which makes me hope even more that it's like case of the week stuff bring it like and this is a better place to have a matt murdoch cameo and you know what this is a great place to bring jessica jones back you know like mm -hmm. like all the things that you know all the fun stuff that we could have done with those characters and that we can find to reintroduce the the weirder more low-key maybe seedy areas of the marvel universe like this is the place to do it and just based on the trailer somebody's actually going to get laid in the mcu <laughs> like which is which is like 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 solar eclipses happen more often than that so like i hope 
I hope Shulky takes a different lover every episode. Like, like bring it all on. I want this to completely break the formula of these shows. <laughs> yeah, this was already the most sexually deranged episode of Marvel Standom, and we hadn't <laughs> gotten we hadn't even gotten to like the nine foot muscular green woman yet, <laughs> carrying men around like little babies. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to shift it slightly then. You bring up a good point, Mike, that um, in the comics, at least in the John Byrne run, She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall. You know, this is, we're being old nerds here, but this was our Deadpool before Deadpool. And so is she going to do that? Um, can we can we get her as the cool, I know I'm in a TV show show instead of their, uh, Deadpool? Is that possible? I, I don't think so, but man, I can hope because... Uh, even with the bad CG, my big takeaway from this was Tatiana Maslany is charming. This uh, She's totally selling all of this stuff. And so I would be all for that. Yeah, I, I just, I would love it. I, you know, I can't imagine that the MCU would let anybody break the fourth wall until it's time to finally do Deadpool 3. I just don't see them doing it. But if they if they play with the ridiculousness of living in this world... Mm -hmm that's close enough you know and we got a little bit of that a little bit of that with hawkeye you know mm -hmm. what i mean like i'm ready for more of it and i think she hulk is the show to is the show to deliver it so yeah kind of a weird muted reaction to the trailer initially even my first viewing of it i'm like i don't know the more i thought about it the more i liked it and like bring bring the weirdness and bring the comedy for this oh lee points out the pizza papa broke the fourth wall Yes, we we did not pay Pizza Papa, and you know he always gets paid. So yeah, it's a good good point. Yes, but in fairness, Pizza Papa is you know kind of like an original creation, isn't a headlining character. But yes, Pizza Papa spoke directly to the audience, spoke <laughs> directly to me, uh, as many Bruce Campbell performances do. <laughs> but yeah. She-Hulk, delightful vibes. And that brings us to the final portion of our show, which we are not allowed to review this. So these are reactions, lawyers. Um, <laughs> the absolute delightfulness that is Ms. Marvel. Kirsty, I think you were the first of us to watch these screeners. So you get first crack here. Wow, okay. Um, it's uh, it's terrific fun. I mean, I've only watched the first two, um, but I would say it's just, it feels really fresh. Um, it, it's, in, it's set in, the world it, it's set in is very rich in New Jersey, and it just, it, everything comes across. It's visually interesting. If you are a fan of the um, end credit sequences in the John Watts Spider-Man movies, it's those vibes all the way through, and just a delight. So I think that, I don't want to get my hopes up because I've only seen two, but... I think this is going to be one of the best, possibly, of these Marvel shows. As a result of that, I'm really looking forward to perhaps good vibes on Marvel standum for the six episodes <laughs> that we have to cover it for, um, which will make a change from the Moon Knight uh, run where we struggled quite a lot. Um, I like that for Kirsten, Kirsten, New Jersey is a vibrant, colorful land. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey City is cool. <laughs> I like New Jersey. I mean, like, look, I used to live there. 
Not Jersey City. I mean, City. compared to if you lived where I lived, you would think New Jersey <laughs> was a vibrant, <laughs> colorful. No, but like Jersey City is like legit awesome and mm-hmm. has been for 20 years now. So like she's right. Jersey City is like bigger than like 95% of the other big cities in the United States. It just never gets brought up just because of its proximity to Manhattan. Um, anyway, ge- American geography aside. Um, yeah, I like this. This is good stuff. This is a great palate cleanser after Moon Knight. Um, I get the sense that uh, Kirsten and Mike like it more than I do, which is not to say that I don't like it. I think it's really well done. Um, a, definitely a nice change of pace. Colorful, vibrant, interesting. Uh, of the two screeners we got, I thought the second one may have lagged a little bit. However, it's I welcome it. Uh, they got the most important bits right. right? which is the casting of Kamala Khan. Nailed it. Uh, they got the tone right. It is, I keep on saying colorful, but it is literally colorful. Uh, no major complaints to lodge thus far. We might actually be uh, in the rare position of every stand member liking a certain project at the same time. Joe, how about you? So I've only seen 20 minutes of the first episode because I was slow with my screeners and didn't occurred to me that I should probably have watched them before this episode until Kirstie texted me to remind me about that. So um, the 20 minutes I've seen are very good. Um, and the thing that kind of jumps out at me is um, the little bit that I've seen, uh, Kamala Khan feels more like Spider-Man than the MCU Spider-Man has felt. You know what I mean? Like there's that, that because as much as I enjoy Tom Holland, but you know, as many people pointed out, he kind of, he becomes mini Tony Stark pretty quickly. And we don't get that sort of kind of uh, ground level comes from nowhere um, coming into their power sort of thing. And I really got those vibes from this, that this is, I mean, and, and that's, that's the secret weapon of all Marvel stories is that sort of lived in quality mixed with superheroes. And I was so pleased to see that working here it, it it felt great i mean it looked great as far as just as everybody said very vibrant very colorful but there is so much little bits of specificity with her family um and her position as a marvel nerd in a marvel show it, it that could have gone so badly and the bits that i've seen it really nailed it yeah, it's it's it was like a plus good vibes for me. Um, it is you know I'm not a Ms. Marvel expert. I've only read the first trade of her stories, and I'm I'm currently reading more. And it is like those were perfect comics right from the jump. Like the first issue of the 2014 Ms. Marvel series is one of the best first issues and best self-contained origin stories of like of modern times like it was a perfect introduction to a character there's a reason this character has like developed so quickly such a devoted fandom and they just nail like i don't care about the changes they make from the comics they nail everything that makes this character special here and i feel it i'm here for it like the the show is fun it's funny as kirsty said it's colorful um it's only six episodes i can already tell i would watch i would watch 12 episodes of this. Uh, so I hope it keeps it up after after that second episode. I hope I hope this is as good as it seems to be. But it's going to be a fun uh, it's going to be a fun summer here on Marvel Standom between Ms. Marvel starting June 8th, Thor Love and Thunder 
on July 8th and She-Hulk on August 17th. I got all those dates right, right? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> any closing thoughts before we sign off? Good Marvel stuff. Like you said, it's <laughs> a little bit of faith restored after some bumps. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It really is. Uh, so I guess that is a wrap on this week's Marvel Standom. And we will be back no later than June 8th, I mean it this time, to give you all the best coverage of the MCU in the entire multiverse. Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're listening right now. Don't forget to check out our web home at dennygeek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage. Drop us a line. Let us know your burning questions. We want to hear from you. Uh, let us know if there's anything else you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. And if you have any questions you need us to answer, this is the place to do it. Hit us at Marvel Standom on Twitter or Instagram. Give those a follow, and we'll try and interact with you a little bit more there, too. And don't forget, folks, we also have a DC show. So check out DC Standom when you can on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you are watching our paranormal show talking strange hosted by the legendary aaron sagers as well now if you came in late you'll be able to watch this entire episode on dennygeek.com or at our youtube home dennygeek us by tomorrow don't forget you can check out past episodes there as well and also wherever you get your podcasts anyway thank you once again to our special guest joe george check out joe's stuff on dennygeek.com please he is one of our most insightful writers on marvel and many other subjects Thank you to Andrew Halley for the color changes, the clips, for not roasting me about werewolves this week. He's amazing. <laughs> He's the best producer we could possibly hope for. Thank you to Denny Geek Social Media Coordinator Lee Parm for making sure you all behave yourselves and make sure you're following our TikTok at Denny Geek TV. Special shout out to Michael R for making the podcast version of this show all it can be every single week. And most of all, thank you all for watching, listening, following, subscribing, putting up with me. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember, folks, we stand together. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it.